I ask that you would use the Bible this morning to help us know how to turn to you when life's pressures get too much. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. One of my favorite places on earth is the sofa in my in-law's house. Because it is a place I can just get away from it all. As soon as we get there, my mother-in-law hands me the remote control that powers hundreds of channels of electronic escape. It's wonderful. And all day long as I sit there and scroll through the channels, she brings me good things to eat and good things to drink. And she loves doing it. So I tell myself, and... The best part is my, my bliss is only occasionally interrupted by this stray, irritating thought that says to me, you know, your in-laws aren't Christian. Are you being the best witness to them right now? There's the pastor living the abundant life on the couch, right? But I toss the thought aside because I just want to get away from it all, like the Southwest Airlines commercial says. And I'm sure a lot of you feel that way too sometimes. When the job gets tough, when the kids are driving you crazy, when you feel overscheduled, overworked, overburdened, you just want to get away. And some of that is healthy because all of us need a little downtime occasionally. But sometimes our escape can become unhealthy escapism. The person whose marriage is hard and who fantasizes about a different partner, maybe even acts on it person who hates their job and daydreams all day long about another one but never does anything about it. Doing things like buying more and more stuff because the thrill of the purchase is this temporary stimulant that makes us feel that life is worth living. Or spending hours watching TV or movies or turning to alcohol or drugs or excess exercise. All of that can become unhealthy ways that we try to escape from life's pressures. And that's sort of what's going on in the story that we read today. Elijah is a prophet of God, but the queen doesn't like him because she worships another god named Baal. She wants everyone else to do the same. So she hires some hitmen to go kill Elijah, which depresses him. (laughs) Finds that discouraging. So he runs away and he says to God, just let me die. He just wants to escape. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about temptation, I said we never run from something. We run to something else instead. And I think this story gives us a couple of things that we can run to that are good and healthy when we just want to get away from it all. And the first thing we run to is we got to run to Jesus. What ultimately refreshes Elijah here is that he has a personal encounter with God, the same God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. Run to Jesus through prayer, through reading scripture, going to worship, and he will meet us. Maybe not in some big, dramatic, miraculous way. That's sort of what Elijah's hoping for, something huge. And a lot of times when we're discouraged, we want God to show up in some huge, dramatic, miraculous way, you know, a thundering voice from heaven or a well-placed lightning bolt on the boss or something like that. But God is usually a lot more subtle. In this story, there's a wind, there's an earthquake, there's a fire, but God's not in any of those big things. Instead, he's in this silence audible, the way the Hebrew puts it. More often than not, God does not shout, he whispers, which is why it is so important to spend time every single day in prayer and in scripture so that we are in a place to hear God if he speaks. 
And it doesn't have to be fancy prayers. As I've told you before, I'm not a very formal prayer. For me, it's more like worrying in God's presence. I just sort of think of the things that bother me and I say, Jesus, this is your problem. You tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it, but I'm giving it to you. And it's always very helpful. In fact, it's so helpful, we're going to practice it right now. I want you to repeat after me. Jesus, this is your problem. You feel better already, don't you? Now, that doesn't mean that God's not going to use us to be part of the solution. He will. It just means he's going to be with us in those problems and do great things through us. Run to Jesus. Second thing we run to is rest, not retreat. And there's a difference. Retreat is when you're hiding and pretending that your problems don't exist. Rest is when you're gathering new resources to go back to the battle again. And all of us need rest. God is very practical in this story. I just love it. You know, he makes Elijah eat. And then he makes Elijah go to sleep. God's sort of acting like his cosmic mother, right? Eat your vegetables. Go to bed. God's very practical. So much of our depression comes from because we're just not doing the basics. Sleeping enough, eating right, getting exercise. When you want to get away, run to rest. Third thing we run to. We run to relationships. One of the things that is getting Elijah down here is that he thinks that he's all alone. And I just love the little speech that he gives to God. Right? I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. He even says it twice. I'm all alone. Candle shining in universal darkness. Woe is me. Ever do that? One of the places we escape to when we're discouraged is self-pity. And that's what Elijah's doing here. But notice what God says. Elijah, there are 7,000 people left who haven't bowed down to Baal. You're not alone. 7,000 people. And you can sort of see Elijah going, well, other than that, I'm alone. And then God puts other people around him, all those people with strange names at the end of the path. Hazael, Yehu, you know, go find them, Elijah. They've got weird names, but they're going to keep you company. You're not alone. When we feel discouraged, we need to draw on the resources of Christian community. And that's why it is so important to be part of a small group where you can be honest, where you can be known, where you can be encouraged and prayed for. And if you're not in a small group, please let us know. We can help you find one. And if you are in a small group, but you guys aren't getting honest and talking about the real stuff in your life, do it. Start tomorrow. Run to Jesus. Run to rest. Run to relationships. And finally, run back to the battles in life. One of the most amazing things to me about this passage is that God sends Elijah right back. He doesn't coddle Elijah at all. You know, he doesn't say, there, there, Elijah, was the bad queen mean to you? He has compassion. He takes care of him. But then God says this great line. He calls him by name and he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then Elijah gives his little speech. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty, but the Israelites have broken down your... Blah, blah, blah. And you can just kind of see God waiting for him to finish. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then God says for a second time, Elijah, 
what are you doing here? And then Elijah gives his little speech. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And then God says, go back. Go back the way you came. God wants us to rest. He wants us to get encouraged by other people. And then God wants us to go back to the battles of life. Because that's where he's going to meet us. That's where he's going to become most real to us. Not in the escape places, but in the battles of life. I meet God here in the challenges of my life and my job way more than I meet him when I'm sitting on the couch scrolling through the channels. I love Psalm 23, where it says, In the presence of my enemies, you prepare a table before me. Not on the sidelines, not on vacation. In the presence of my enemies is where we meet Jesus. And you get this picture of this picnic table in the middle of a battlefield. Bullets whizzing all over the place. And there's Jesus, and he's opening up the picnic basket and saying, Come on, let's eat. And that's what Jesus does. He meets us in the hard battle places of life. When he came to earth... He went to the poor, the lame, the sick, and he did miracles there. He didn't show up at the Sheraton Waikiki. And I'm sure some of you right now are going, well, I don't know. I bet I can meet Jesus in Waikiki. Yes, of course. (laughs) Obviously. But even more so in the battles in life. At my former church, all the pastors would meet every week for a staff meeting. And in order to build lasting bonds and true community, we would begin every meeting by sharing deeply from our souls, a.k.a. complain. Ministry's hard. The people are mean. I am all alone. And the senior pastor was this wise older man, been doing ministry for 40 years, kind of a father figure to us, and he'd always give us a little pep talk. He'd say, well, it's not going to get any better. I've been doing ministry for 40 years. It just gets worse. We're all like, thanks, I feel better. And and then, and then he'd say, but we wouldn't want it any other way, would we? Harder is better. And we'd say, no, easier is better. What's wrong with you? And then he'd get to the meat of his pep talk. And he'd say, this is good. This is good for you. It's going to force you to pray longer and harder and hang on to Jesus more tightly than you ever had before. And God's going to use it to build you and make you stronger. Now, we were all baby boomers. Nobody had ever spoken to us this way before in our lives. We're all going, where's my sympathy? You haven't felt my pain. You haven't bonded with my soul. You are failing to grasp the complex je ne sais quoi that makes me moi. (laughs) We are still talking about me, aren't we? It's all about me. You know what? He was right. Harder is better. It helps us to grow and it makes us hang on to Jesus all the more. And in the middle of the battle, he meets us. And does miracles. I have a friend who has three kids. And one of whom, for whatever reasons, he just could not get through to. She fought him at every turn. She showed him no affection. Pretended that she didn't like him. And all this hurt his feelings and made him angry. And one night they were just having this terrible fight. And he just something in him just kind of snapped. And he just walked out of the room and said, That's it. I am done with this kid. I've got two other kids. You're your mother's child now. But then he had this thought, one of those thoughts that you know isn't your thought because it's wise. And he knew it was the Holy Spirit and said, you're my son, and I didn't give up on you. And if you give up now, you're going to regret this for the rest of your life. Go back to your daughter. So we went back and he hugged her and they prayed together. And from there on, they started spending a lot more time together. 
so that he could understand her more. And, and now they have a very strong relationship. Jesus met him in the battle, not in the retreat. So where might God be saying to you, what are you doing here? Go back to the marriage that's hard. Go back to the ministry you're discouraged with. Go back to the job and be my witness there. Go back from the mall or the television or the booze or whatever it is you're escaping into. Go back from those things and I will meet you in the battles of life. And I will do miracles. And you will know that the God that is revealed in Jesus Christ is alive and well in planet Earth. What are you doing here? Go back to the battles of life. Run to Jesus, run to rest, run to relationships, and then run back to the battles of life. I have a friend who is my age, and 15 years ago he got a job as a youth pastor. He came prepared with all the jokes you need, you know, sort of every armpit balloon relay a youth pastor would ever want. Just sure that he was going to be the most successful youth pastor ever. Four months later, things were a mess. Students didn't like him. Parents were disappointed. He missed his friends back home, missed his hometown. Felt like a complete failure. Well, one weekend he was taking a bunch of students on a retreat, and he didn't want to be with anyone else, so he drove up there by himself. And as he was driving, he was making plans in his head how he could get away, go back to his old home. Just wanted to escape the whole thing. Pulled over to eat dinner, and he was sitting at a booth in Pizza Hut, eating a personal pan pizza, which is sort of a metaphor for his life at that point, personal pan pizza. And he thought, I am the most pathetic human being ever. said right about then he heard the closest thing to an audible voice he's ever had, and it said, finally, you're here. You have been trying to be successful. But I am not calling you to success. I'm calling you to closeness with me. Now get going. You've got a retreat to lead. That was 15 years ago. And he's still at that church, and he has had the privilege of seeing God work in some really cool ways in kids' lives. Kids coming to know Jesus, getting reconciled with their parents, getting off drugs, all kinds of really cool things. But the turning point for him was his failure because it brought him back to God. He was trying to escape to a lot of places, career, success, another job, self-pity. He was trying to run away, but what he ran into was Jesus who met him and who cared for him, but then sent him back to the battles of life, and it's been there for the last 15 years that God has become more real to him than ever before. Last thing Jesus said to us before he left, I will never leave you or forsake you. And what that means is no matter how far we run away from him, he will always be there waiting for us. And that's what the cross shows us. The Bible says that on the cross, Jesus suffered the pains of hell itself. The worst pain of all being separation from God, because that's what hell is, separation from God. And in a way, that's Jesus doing an end run around all of our escaping. It's as if God draws a circle around us and says, be in my presence. But we say no, and we step outside of that circle, and we run away from him. But God comes after us, and he pursues us, and he draws another bigger circle around us. And, but we say no again, and we step outside of that circle, and we run away from him and go to escape into other things. But on the cross, Jesus, who is God in the flesh, is going to the furthest distance we could ever run away from God, hell itself. And he's saying, even if you run this far to get away from me, I will be here. 
You can't outrun me. It's as the psalmist says, even if I make my bed in the depths, even there, you're with me. No matter where we run, Jesus is there to catch us. And he's not going to force us to follow him, but he's always there inviting us into a relationship with him where we find forgiveness and rest and second chances. My kids just love it when I chase them around our house. And in our house, you can make this giant circle through the kitchen, living room, entryway. You just go around and around the whole house in this big, huge circle. And when they were younger, I'd, I'd start out chasing them one way, but then I'd reverse directions and run the opposite way so that when they came around the corner, I'd surprise them and they'd be there. And then they'd scream and they'd turn around and start running, but I'd run the opposite direction so that when they came around the other corner, I'd be there too. And they would just howl with laughter because no matter where they ran, their father was there to catch them. And that's how it is with Jesus. No matter where we run, he's there to catch us. So where are you trying to escape to? Where's God saying to you, what are you doing here? And how can you run back to him? How can you run toward rest and relationships and then run back into the battles of life where you will run smack into the arms of Jesus Christ? One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139, and I'm going to read a paraphrase of it right now. And I would just invite you to close your eyes and listen to this as a prayer. Maybe you've got some business that you need to do with God, and I just invite you to use this time to pray or listen and know that no matter where you try to escape, Jesus is already there, inviting you to run to him. Let's pray. Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, the secrets of my thoughts, the wonders of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know what I'm going to say. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from you? If I rise to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, even there, your hand will guide me. So search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and lead me in the everlasting way. For there's nowhere I can go from your spirit, nowhere I can flee from you. You give my life meaning and you'll keep me to the last. And no matter where I hide, your right hand holds me fast. Lord, keep holding me fast. Lord Jesus, that is our prayer this morning. Help us run to you and know our rest only in you. We ask this in your name. Amen.